Hey, thanks for signing up for the Public Beta Podcast. It is Wednesday, November 18th, 2020. Your host this week, myself, Lee, and via remote, Reed. Hi. Hi. Uh, it's been uh, one... It's been... One full week. week. <laughs> <laughs> it's been one full week of the Xbox and uh, almost one full week of the PS5. Reed, how was your first weekend with the the new age? Uh, it's good shit. I'm a big fan. Uh, I'm pretty sure I went into it last week, but yeah... This fucking thing loads games so goddamn fast. Uh, it plays great. It looks great. I'm happy. It downloads my shit quick. Uh, not much else to say anymore, I guess. Um, Godfall I... still working your way through it? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I traded in Godfall already. Because, holy fuck, what a giant piece of shit. Like, I shouldn't need to do research in 2020 for a looter-based game Made by Gearbox to see if it has well, match... published by Gearbox. Let's whatever. Uh, to see if it has fucking matchmaking. One of the fundamentals of looter-based games. Goddamn Borderlands 1 had this, Lee. That's, f- that's fucking insane. And it e- even more lines up with what I said last week about this being a, like, Rise, Fall of Rome level of, like, flashy cell phone game product. Right. Uh, where it's just like, how the fuck in 2020 do you look at all the games that you are basically ripping off at this point... And say we're gonna have less features and hope to contend in that in and, that space and at eighty nine ninety nine no less and not even less features like, like the most important feature. Could you imagine playing all the Avengers Endgame content and stuff outside of the story with nobody just by yourself? I can't imagine that because that was my experience at the end of Anthem when I, all I had left to do was play higher difficulties and nobody was fucking online yeah, uh, but to play with. This so. like the first mission that this game gives you after you're done, like the intro mission. Like you have ba- four big slots that says empty, invite friends. So like clearly, <laughs> it's intended Got to be friends? a four player player co op game, but there's no fucking matchmaking. Like I can forgive like. Uh, I can forgive like a low weapon count or like uh, like a lack of variety in the d- different classes if I have other people to play with and it's kind of fun and I can grind for it. But there's not. I can't play with anybody. I'd be playing by myself the whole time, which I fucking hate. I hate it in Destiny. I hate it in Borderlands. I hate it in this. Absolute wow. garbage game. I traded in already. I'm going to be spending it on like the charging dock station or something good. I just been spending you heard it here. The charging dock station, a more a wor- more worthy purchase than Godfall. Yeah. I'm to understand you did grab Miles Morales, though. Do you get any time with that? Yes, I picked it up digitally. Um, the advantage of this being, of course, that you can also get the PS4 version. We- weird as fuck. So I bought it on the PS5, and I know where nice. I fucked up now. It brings up a prompt, and it says... <laughs> Like, it has two prompts. It has Spider-Man PS4 for 59 gigabytes and Spider-Man PS5 for 39. And you can download both onto your PS5. Yeah. So, uh, I'm just going to go into a tangent here because, uh, again, I don't have the PS5 yet. So, I've been just kind of looking for, you know, in the first week of consoles, now that everybody, millions of these things have gone out or whatever, it's time for the public beta test. What a Public beta podcast. What is the issues that these consoles are experiencing? And apparently the biggest thing people have said, obviously if it's a clean break, you got your PS5, you logged into your account, you're playing PS5 games, not too big of a deal. But apparently if there's some back and forth or if you've traded in your PS4 already, uh, all of the save stuff is like different game to game on PlayStation. Whereas on Xbox, your saves are always in the cloud automatically. So if I get an Xbox Series X without actually installing uh, Watch Dogs Legion, and I go to play Watch Dogs Legion on my on my Series X, it's pulling my save. Yeah. Whereas on 
PlayStation, you have to manually, either using PlayStation Plus, up upload your saves to download on the PS5, which which seems again you you're not an Xbox gamer. Read no Xbox for you. Uh, but this is something that I've I between my bedroom and my living room have gotten really accustomed to. That my save data is just in the cloud, always there for me, and it's not as big a deal with the PS4 because obviously I'm mainly gaming on one console. But I could imagine if I was going back and forth between PS4 and PS5, whatever your situation was. It sounds like a bit of a mess, especially with the uh, the store and the way the store is laid out. People are, like, genuinely confused as to, especially with Call of Duty, that this thing has, like, eight separate install files, like the new Cold War or whatever. Yeah. It, it sounds a bit ham-fisted. It sounds a bit... Uh, like, people are running into issues and, like, crashing bugs with the PS5 because of this stuff, because of the upload and moving around of stuff. Uh, you are mostly just, you, you set the thing up, you downloaded your games, and you're playing them, so you, you don't seem to be experiencing too much of that, but uh, even in just I, purchasing Miles Morales, you seem to have uh, encountered it. Well, that's that wasn't really a problem. Literally, once I just took a closer look at the downloads, and I realized one was PS4, one was PS5, I just canceled the PS4 one, that was it. Um, it was just really odd to me that I'm like, why would you even give me the option of downloading the PS4 on here? That's a bit fucking redundant. Especially um, if you hit install and then went to take a massive shit, and the and the console just installed a forty giga like a fifty gigabyte thing you didn't need or want. Yeah, so like that's whatever. As far <laughs> as like the crashing goes, I've had a game crash once while I had something download, uh, so I haven't had like a persistent issue like some other people have. So I'm fine with that regard. In regards to the apps like the cloud save data stuff, I believe there is a setting for you to automatically upload your saves to the cloud storage on PlayStation Plus. At that point, you literally just need to download it off your PS5, which is what I did with Bloodborne yesterday, for example. I downloaded Bloodborne, oh, nice. and then I went to my PlayStation Plus account and it said, cloud storage, I went to it, and I downloaded my Bloodborne save data. And that was that. When you have seven seconds. What would you do, cloud? Download your saves? Yeah, see, okay, fuck. Are we gonna are we gonna get into that shit? Like you I did, feel like you just like you ran down the entire ending yeah, I and I'm I'm laughing the whole so I beat Final Fantasy VII Remake yesterday. Uh, I was like right at the end of the Hojo thing. I went and got that cool twin saber that Cloud gets right at the end of the game there, uh, with all the materia slots, and then I just went and beat the game essentially. Not much of a challenge. The Rufus fight, just because you're uh, like alone as Cloud, and my cloud was set up as a magician. Uh, so he was, like, getting shredded like paper. Oh, man. That was Look what bad. they did to my boy Rufus's design. He was so sleek and simple before, and now they're just like, man, he just needs straps. Just He's, like, he's like business up top, and then he's, like, Kingdom weird of... Viking rave he's down like below. He's, like, Kingdom Hearts below. They're like, we need straps, yeah. we need boots. <laughs> we need... Sephiroth should have just leaned into Cloud's ear and just been like, belts. Yeah. <laughs> See, the seven seconds thing, Lee... Is further evidence, yeah, if you go back to our previous episode where I talked about the ending of Final Fantasy VII Remake, further evidence that Sephiroth knows exactly what's going to happen in this timeline. And he's yes. like, oh, seven seconds, Kyle, what's going to happen? That's the so, amount of time it takes for him to stab Aerith. The only thing I'm going to say you were you embellished on, because you, you didn't see it coming. Obviously, I allowed spoilers, so I knew Barrett, spoilers, uh, was going to get stabbed. But... I do have to say, even knowing that was going to happen, it's such a footnote. It's so not important no, to be, what's happening in that because, game at that point with those ghosts and stuff. Yeah, but because it's not supposed to be important, and that's the weird thing. It should, by all accounts, Lee, be an absolute huge deal that Barrett, any party member, just got stabbed by Sephiroth. 
but he didn't get, like, real-life stabbed. He got ghost-stabbed. There's already ghost shit coming out of his wound, and you're like, okay, well, well some no, bullshit's he didn't get he didn't here. get ghost-stabbed. You're just mixing that up. No, he got legit stabbed by Sephiroth in the fucking chest, and he was dying. But, sure, maybe. But it's not what's supposed to happen in Destiny in the timeline, so the ghosts heal him, because Barrett's not supposed to die there. Yeah, um, so the whole Zack thing, though... I, no, like I, I don't think that's meant to be followed up on in any way. No, it's I think not that's just meant to, to be because the the fuck and here's goddamn this game so stupid. Um, when the chip bag flies past yes. Zach, yeah. it's a yeah. different dog than yeah. the dog. It's an alternate used. universe. So it's yeah. an alternate universe. And then sure. the fact that Sephiroth knows exactly what's going to happen and doesn't have the same plan anymore to blow up the planet leads you leads me to believe that it's the Sephiroth from Advent Children who went back in time slash into a different alt reality to fucking yes. fuck a with shittier it. Sephiroth. Yeah, like it, it's so <laughs> stupid. Um, it's so stupid. The the moment. Like, okay, so here's my thing with this whole game. Every time the ghosts show up or anytime any mention of Sephiroth or the past happens and Cloud gets his headaches, uh, it, it fucking ruined the game. Right, Like, like right. if you're wondering why this game isn't a perfect 10, the ghost shit is right. the reason why. It's not, you're even, taking... it's not even that, Lee. The first disc on the original Final Fantasy VII, you get, like, two headaches and one mention of Sephiroth until Shinra HQ. And then you don't oh, even, listen, you don't even see him. My wife got an earful of this as the credits were rolling on Final Fantasy VII when she she had the te- the audacity to ask me, how was it? <laughs> I was like, listen, the entire next part of this game, the pull of leaving Midgar is the mystery of Sephiroth. He's fucking murdered someone. Sephiroth should not exist. Cloud knows who this guy is and knows he's bad news. And he slowly lets the party in on what's going on, and then we get the bigger plot of Sephiroth and Meteor and all that. But in this game, when they're standing there, and this giant explosion has happened, and the ghosts and the, and the Zack stuff happens, and then they're all standing there, and I think Aerith is like, what now? And I'm like thinking, and I'm like, yeah, what now for these people? Why wouldn't they just walk back into Midgar and go home and keep doing what they're doing? Where are they going? And then Cloud has the revelation that, hey, Sephiroth's out there. And uh, we should probably stop him because look at all the shit he's already done. I'm like, you've there's no mystery. When you go across that first open world part of Final Fantasy VII and you find that giant snake impaled on that stick. Right. And you're like, listen, I don't know anything about this Sephiroth guy. But, but so far, I, he, he likes impaling and that's bad news. Right. The, the setup on the first disc, man, in Shinner HQ when you escape jail and you just see the trail of blood and yes. the sword sticking out of the president of Shinra. You're like, oh my god, Sephiroth. I don't know who this guy is, but like, goddamn, he's a motherfucker, isn't he? Like, Sephiroth liked, a, liked the foreplay. He liked to slow burn. He's like, I'm going to let these guys out of jail, and I'm going to make them chase me across the fucking planet, and then make them do what what I want them to right. do, Right, his reveal in the flashback is one of the greatest villain reveals of all time, because it's like so subtle and simple, and it explains his whole character in a beautiful scene. And there's none of that left. Like... No, like <laughs> the man's balls have been taken away in this remake, and it makes me sad for everybody who just wanted this to be like to have something so fifty-fifty. To have the expanded scenes with Jesse and some of the dialogue scenes and hanging out in the slums be so spot on, and you're like, man, they really found a way to stretch this out into a full game. Right. And then on the flip side of that, also consider that these ghosts show up in the first hour, and they are the entire finale of the game. Right, and like I said to you at the big, like uh, when we were texting about this yesterday, I said, "Listen, if you're going to make this a different game, just do it. Like 
You don't yeah. you don't fucking need ghosts to explain different realities and the changing of the timeline so your next game will make sense. Just fucking do it. Open up the yeah, game man. open up the game with Tifa in the party with Baird and Cloud to blow up the first reactor. That's it. And then you establish right off the beginning, hey, this is a different game. We're not gonna explain it why Tifa's here. It's just a different like take on Final Fantasy VII. Deal with it. And I would have been like, great. But no, well, you, they were fine. They were fine to do that with every other aspect of the game, and like the wall market part and all that. Like they were fine to expand and drastically change some of what happened during that part of the game. But right. In but terms of the actual story of Final Fantasy, that's the thing. Right. They they're like, we have to explain why we're changing the core story here, and the thing we are changing is is fundamentally making it worse. Yeah, it's it's absolutely ridiculous. Uh... It's, like, all you have to do is the original Final Fantasy VII. It's tried and true. That's what people wanted. Just add really good gameplay to it and make a billion dollars because the story's already solid. But as it is now, it's, like, I can tell you as much as I want that you fight Sephiroth at the edge of creation against giant ghosts, and you'd be like, oh, yeah, whatever. But then when you actually play it, you're like, holy fuck, this is way too much for part one of Final Fantasy VII. Like, no, yeah, you fight a god at the end of this game. You fight, like, the, the god of destiny. You fuck up his his little mini-gods, and then you, you chop off right. his arms. Like, and... what is this, Asura's Wrath? Like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, wishes. Like, this game is not supposed to be this epic this early. It's crazy. It's the equivalent of fighting yeah. Final Fantasy VI Kefka, like, before you go to the separate the party. <laughs> like, it's fucking ridiculous. It's, uh, uh, like, I enjoyed the gameplay all the way through. I enjoyed the character building in this game. Great. But everything after uh, Barrett and the president are holding guns at one another, all the dialogue that comes after that. Oh, and aside you, from- let's let's talk about that particular fucking scene for a moment. So, like, they go into <laughs> Shinra's president's office. He's not there. He's hanging off the edge of the goddamn tower for right, some he's reason. Been thrown through the window or some shit. Yeah. So Barrett takes him, and then he's like, "I'm gonna force this guy into his office and get stabbed." And I guess Cloud, Red 13, Aerith, and Tifa are just standing outside being like, you know what, we'll let Barrett do his thing for a while. Like, yeah. Like, uh, what I also f- should mention, after Barrett is stabbed, the entire party is ready to leave, and then Barrett stirs, and Cloud's the only one that stops and turns back. They were ready to just leave his corpse <laughs> yeah, in that office at the top super, of the building. Yeah, he's super dead. Everybody knows, this is what, this is what everybody knows if you get stabbed, <laughs> like, you just die instantly, and there's nothing else. Right. It's it's awful uh, that they did that to the end of this game. That they were so close to greatness, and they like there's there's only so much to talk right. about. And the the like, fan service with Zach and like the oh man, and just then leave I, it alone. I always knew that like I, I'm like Square Enix can't help themselves. We're gonna fight Sephiroth in the first part. It's gonna happen. Like they can't not do it. It's just that's Square Enix. Like, but like not only do they ruin like ruin is a strong word, but not only do they ruin Final Fantasy VII. They ruined Crisis Core, which is a game I really liked and is one of my shining examples of having a scene in a game where you're meant to lose, not feel like suddenly you're kicking ass and then a cutscene happens and you die. At the end of Crisis Core, you fight endless soldiers until you can no longer go on as Zack and you have this like heroic moment where you're fighting soldiers for like 45 minutes and then he finally falls to have the end of this game be like, huh, is that all you got? Hey Cloud, I fucking did it. When it was this emotional scene in this other game where this guy does not make it out of this battle is also just like a, a, a just a slight 
sack tap on your way out right. the door, which it's I like. It's like, hey, I'm, hey, we're making FF10 remake, and then right at the end, right before, right when Titus like hugs Yuna at the end, and Yuna says, "I love you," and they have that really emotional brace, and he jumps off the ship. He just lands <laughs> on the ground and kills himself. <laughs> yeah, you see him die. Yeah, he's just like, oh, I'm real now. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> ah, fuck. Yeah, like uh, takes all the wind out of the sails. But yeah, like. Like, they couldn't even help themselves with the Sephiroth fight. Like, if I was going to be the Final Fantasy VII remake director, and they're like, Reed, you need to include a Sephiroth fight in here. You can't avoid it. You got to do it. I'd be like, all right, it's going to be in Cloud's head. It's going to be a hallucination. There's going to be just, like, a really subtle piano rendition of One Winged Angel, and it's going to be a one-on-one fight that you're meant to lose. Right. Tasteful fan service, you're saying. But instead, they're like, no, how about you fight Sephiroth with the whole party at the edge of creation with the most epic remix of One Winged Angel that's been made since fucking Advent Children? It's part one. How do you how do you top this? Like how do you do how do you do a more epic Sephiroth (laughs) fight than fighting him at the edge of creation? Everyone's fucking wondering, like, oh man, when when are these other parts of this game going to be done? And now having finished this, I'm like, I, I think I'm good. Yeah. I, 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 like I have no desire to go play these other games and the impression I got because of these decisions, especially including such a grand dose Sephiroth fight is that they're not confident that they're going to be making more parts. Also, it's a complete bullshit that red 13 is not a playable character and you get a splash screen telling you, uh, as he's, such, he's like the way the entire end part of this game is handled feels like how could something so grandiose feel rushed, but it fucking does. And the inclusion of characters popping up without proper introductions, like Zach to someone who's maybe playing Final Fantasy VII for the first time. Yeah, imagine and, and yeah, having, imagine playing this game, and you're like, yeah. oh man, I played Final Fantasy VII original when I was a kid in 1997. I don't really remember much about it. Like, play this game after you're that kind of... Like, Graham at our work, he's that kind of guy. He'd be like, who the fuck is Zach? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's uh, it's unfortunate. Anyway, we, we can't spend all of our time on this fucking game. It's not worth it, Reed. Um, but, but in terms of, like, disappointments of the year, it's going to be a tough race between this and Last of Us Part Two. Yeah, I That's know, I right? Like, Last of Us... <laughs> Only because, like, Final Fantasy was so close to greatness, it had further to fall, I think. Yeah, I went For into me? Final Fantasy VII with lower expectations, but those expectations were raised from the beginning in the mid-game, but then dropped again at late-game. <laughs> yeah. Let's uh, let's bolt through some news here, unless there's anything else you've been playing in the last week. Uh, just lots of Demon Souls, baby. Fucking working through that game hard. Got plus nine Claymore already. Just beat Flame Lurker. We're doing our Damn. thing. Damn. Yeah, man. Level 45, I think, right now. This guy knows about timed hits. Uh, Super Mario 3D All-Stars will get GameCube controller support. Good to see them add to that uh, to that game in some capacity. Animal Crossing New Horizons will be getting a update starting tonight at 8 p.m. CST, uh, and that is going to include new emotes, all kinds of uh, new stuff for the end of the year here. Turkey Day, Toy Day, and what have you. Uh, people were very excited because one of the new emotes allows you to sit. You weren't able to just sit on the ground previously, so people are taking all their Instagram Animal Crossing photos, and they want to sit on the ground. Me and my wife audibly, like, popped off when we saw the character sit down. It was, like, a very natural, funny moment for just, like, oh, I guess that is something we wanted. <laughs> Good on you, Nintendo. <laughs> um, and then Cyberpunk 2077, there is videos out showing the differences between the performance on Xbox generations 
uh, being the Xbox One X and the Xbox Series X. That's good to see that it's working, and hopefully uh, we're only waiting, you know, three more weeks for fucking Cyberpunk, man. Um, read the Game Awards. <laughs> Previously on Spike TV, uh, of course, what has been streaming for years now, Jeff Keighley's brainchild, the Game Awards... Uh, I'm a big fan of Jeff Keighley, Canadian boy. Yeah, I like making Jeff it Keighley. Out I hate the idea of the Game Awards because I think it's always pushed the stereotype of what gamers are and shit. I, I so, hate it. <laughs> yes, that was how these uh, began, especially with the Spike TV days. Because you just have like, Snoop Dogg showing like, up to do like RPG of the Year. Yeah, it's like video games, best shooter, bro. And then like uh, so, explosions. Yeah, that's and that's shit. not so much the case anymore. Uh, I would say the Game Awards is is a fair bit more for lack of a better word, woke, uh, and is definitely more inclusive than ever. And uh, you will see so in these uh, these nominations. Reed, would you uh, do me the honor of us going through some of these bigger nominations and uh, casting our vote right now? Sure. All right. First, we're starting off with the biggest one, so we can quit at any time. Game of the Year. The nominees are Doom Eternal, Final Fantasy VII Remake, Ghost of Tsushima, Hades, Animal Crossing, and The Last of Us Part Two. Wow, uh, that's pretty weak. It's it's pretty weak. I think Ghost of Tsushima is where we uh, we combine. Yeah, here. well, say the first three again. Doom, Final Fantasy, and Ghost of Tsushima. I really like Doom Eternal. I thought it was a very well done game, but I will say Ghost of Sh- Tsushima probably surprised me the most as I went into a very low expectation. So yeah, I'd probably give it to Ghost of Tsushima. On the muscly arms meme, your arm says Doom, mine says like Hades or Animal Crossing, and then clasped in the middle it says Ghost of Tsushima, so that's our vote. Yep. That's our combined vote. Uh, best uh, game direction, you know, that's not neither here nor there. Best narrative. Oh, baby. Oh. <laughs> Last of uh, Us 2 better Sentinels, not be on this Aegis category. Rim, Final Fantasy VII Remake. Oh <laughs> Ghost of Tsushima, Hades, and The Last of Us Part 2. Holy Jesus. fuck. Why is Last of Us Part 2 and Final Fantasy Series Remake both in best a game of the year and best narrative when both of those dropped the fucking ball? Especially they, uh, it, Last of if Us If there Super. was a category that was just called most narrative, uh, <laughs> then maybe that would fit in. But yeah, Last uh, of we're us, going Ghost of Tsushima again Last here. of Us 2 would, would definitely fit most narrative. Like not best or worst, just just a lot of it. Uh. <laughs> so the real the real problem with the the game awards is that you have only so many top games, and they they repeatedly get nominated for everything. Uh, so there's like best score in music. It's a lot of the same customers. Best audio design. A lot of the same guys. Best performance. We can uh, weigh in on. We have Ashley Johnson as Ellie. We have the Abbey performance by Laura Bailey. Daisuke Suji as Jin Sakai. Uh, the guy who played Hades, and we also have uh, Naji Jeter, I believe, as Miles Morata, uh, Morales, okay, I, uh, which I have I will say, like, despite us not liking Last of Us Part Two nor the direction it went in, I don't think we can deny that Ashley Johnson had a wonderful performance as Ellie. Like, was a very good actor in comparison to a lot of video game actors, in my opinion. So I'd probably give that to Ashley Johnson, to be honest. You're, I mean, fair. Uh, right now, the the website has crashed because it's offering me a student badge, and uh, and not letting me re-enter it. So that's pretty cool. Sure, that might be the end of our uh, plug for the game awards here, if that's the <laughs> case. Wild, uh, no man, but like they have musical performances. They have uh, you know special. Uh, what do you ha- what do you what do you call them? What do you call them? Uh, 
compilations. Uh, they honor different people within the industry. It's it's much more yeah self aware uh, than it, than the, used to be on. I don't on know the, if it's the Game Awards, but I saw this one when like uh, Corey Balrog accepted like Director of the Year or Game of the Year or something, and like everybody's in tuxedos and dresses. The music's all nice, fancy. Like yeah. it's like that's what it should be, and I wish they'd get rid of the name the Game Awards. That sounds very juvenile, in my opinion. What uh, should it be called instead? <laughs> like the, like, I don't know. Like, the Keeleys. Like, Just call it the Keeleys. And people will be like, what's that? And it's like, oh, it's the, it's the Academy Awards for video games. Yeah, find someone to name it after who is an icon in the gaming industry and start a lot of things. Or, like, give it an acronym, like the Video Game, uh, video game Union awards or something the vguas or something i don't know uh just something yeah. different video game awards just sounds super juvenile and like the equivalent of like the nickelodeon kids choice awards oh man i wish people were getting slimed on this thing uh, so there's a bunch of categories you can go to thegameawards.com and uh, cast your own votes basically uh the industry votes on this like it like it would for like the golden globes let's say uh and then the fan votes counts as one person as part of that so the fan votes do matter if there's enough of them uh, there's a ton of categories. Let's jump into one more category here, because uh, this website's loading for garbage right now. Let's go into best multiplayer. Oh. Let's see what's nominated this year. We have Animal Crossing New Horizons, Among Us, Call of Duty Warzone, Fall Guys, and Valorant. I think this podcast is probably going to roll Warzone. Yeah, well, uh, that's the only one I really play, and I think it's pretty fucking alright. So, uh, yeah. Uh, best debut game, Carrion, Mortal Shell, Raja, an ancient epic, Roki, and Plasmophobia. I can think of way more indie games I played this year that are... Plasmophobia is pretty cool, though. That's the multiplayer game that has, like, uh, relative sound, and then you're, like, hunting ghosts. Uh, so, like, we get, we sound like we're talking on walkie-talkies if we're further apart, and then we have to be quiet to... We have to, like, find out what kind of ghost it is and hunt it. That's pretty cool. But Spiritfarer and stuff like that, I feel like, are, uh, are misses on this list. Anyways, fuck that. Fuck that, Reed. Fuck it. Fuck it. <laughs> uh, are you, uh... Do you like... You don't go on, on social media much at all. But I don't the, have The new thing media. is is, <laughs> is good vibes. So, like, Sony releases the PS5, and uh, Microsoft and Nintendo, all the presidents and stuff like that, are like, hey, congratulations on the launch of your console. Meanwhile, behind closed doors, these, these guys are trying to figure out how to best spend their millions of dollars to fuck those other companies. Sure. It's, it's like a smile and a wave to someone who's just cucking your wife. It's yeah. basically what I see it as in the case of Microsoft. Like, Microsoft congratulating Sony... On their console launch when Sony is taking money out of their children's mouths. To me, it's just kind of fucking interesting. But whatever. The console wars are dead, man. We're all, we're all too friendly now. Yeah. Pokemon! Reed. Yeah. We're back. We're back. Let's kill this bitch in two episodes. Sure. We are going to talk today about all the Pokemon spinoffs that have existed. And I believe I've played almost all of them. All I know you've them. played some of them. I've played very little. <laughs> uh, I am so close to the end of Sword and Shield... I'm at the part where I, I please tell me I'm close to the end of this game. I'm at the part where I've beaten my two rivals, and then I'm supposed to fight Lee, and he's gone, and he's at a hotel, so I got to go find him. Oh, you got like like six hours left. How fucking dare you? You got you got like beat him, and then like the thing happens where like there's supposedly a bad guy, even though this game doesn't fucking have a bad guy. And, like, you beat him once in a trainer battle, and he's like, ah, oh, shit, you're right, I'm an asshole. And then, That's like, usually how it goes, though. Then you just beat fucking Lee, and then you're champion, and then you gotta do this bullshit after the game where these two motherfuckers are like, 
dog legendary Pokemon help us find them and then you do in a few hours then you gotta do some <laughs> fucking Dynamax battles and then you're done well it sounds like I have a lot of exciting times ahead of me Yeah, I, a lot of <laughs> shitty times uh, I'm gonna run through this list in the order that isn't presented on this Wikipedia therefore it is alphabetical not chronological uh, so if you have anything to add please let me know as we go through this list of Pokemon game spinoffs Pokemon Art Academy, pretty self-explanatory. Uh, Pokemon Battle Troze, uh, Pokemon Brick Bronze. These are two games that I admittedly have not played. Troze was a, uh, a fucking uh, a Nintendo DS puzzle game, I believe. Pokemon Cafe Mix just came out. It is a mobile game. Of course, Pokemon now have like four or five mobile games. I don't know if you fucked with any of them. No. Uh, the Pokemon Trading Card Game Games. Uh, did you ever fuck with that one on Game Boy Color, or is that nope. before your time? Uh, it's a great game. So, they've taken the Pokemon card game, the base game, through Fossil, I believe, which is like the first three sets of Pokemon cards. Uh, that's relevant because in those three sets, all 150 Pokemon are represented. Uh, they also put the promo cards in here, so they have Muse in there as well, and all the, um, you know... The, the special cards and variants you would get from going to see the movies back when you would get a Pokemon card for going to see the movie. God damn, man. Pokemon ruled the fucking world. Um, so this game's on Game Boy Color and it's structured like a Pokemon main series game where this is a world where the Pokemon, Pokemon don't exist, but the trading card game is as big as Pokemon is. So you're like traveling from gym to gym and fighting the different leaders that use different decks and stuff like that. Uh, all the, the rules and stuff like that are all here. I, I compare this to the best... Yu-Gi-Oh! video games. Those really good Game Boy Advance ones and stuff that just... The game follows the rules that are that are current, has all the cards, go sick. Uh, so I highly recommend the Pokemon trading card game, even though it's really old and outdated now uh, in accordance to the regular rules. And now there exists uh, versions of this game on PC you can play that have all the current cards and have all the current rules. And I don't know if you've watched any Pokemon trading card game, like on YouTube when they stream it or anything like that. No. It's like chess, man. There's like three moves both ways. One of the guys looks down at the cards and looks back up and he quits. Oh, wow. That's like, it's like the guy looks at the, the situation and he's like, well, in four turns I'm fucked. So he just quits. So most of the games, like if the other guy sets up quick enough, the game just ends, which is not exciting to say the least. I was big into Pokemon cards. You never fucked with them? Well, like every kid, I collected some of them, but I never knew how to play or played it or anything. I, uh... My first exposure to Pokemon cards was I grabbed the base set, like, trainer set that came with Machamp. Uh, and that had two half decks in it and taught you how to basically play the game. Uh, so I, I always knew. And when the game came out, it was like, oh, cool. Because it's hard to find other people, admittedly, who knew how to play the game. Everybody was just collecting the cards. Uh, so here we are. Pokemon Conquest. I know that's a game you played. Uh, I dabbled very little in it. Like, I didn't get very far in it. But it was pretty cool. It's like a Nubinaga's ambition game, but if Pokemon existed in, like, feudal times. Yeah. Uh, so guys are, like, rolling around with Jigglypuffs and stuff, using them to, like, slay armies, which is kind of interesting. <laughs> it, and, like, they never followed it up. It was like, well, that was weird. Yeah. Anyways, moving on. Yeah, that was a weird game, but that was fun. <laughs> a lot of people online said that they swear by it as, like, a really, really fucking good game. So take their word for it. Uh, there was Pokemon Dash, which was like a stylus-based NDS game. Uh, Detective Pikachu is kind of an interesting one. The, like, in terms of Pokemon spinoffs that expand the canon, 
Uh, Detective Pikachu was seen as a story fit for a movie. And it let's did talk about the detective. <laughs> let's talk about the fucking Detective Pikachu movie. Did I you did, watch it? No. <laughs> no. No. Shit, man. Like, man, people like think I really give a fuck about Pokemon, but I really just give a fuck about competitive Pokemon. Like, Fair enough. Like, I don't give a fuck about Pikachu. I don't care to see Pokemon in the real world or this or that. Like, I just have no interest in it. I can encapsulate the movie perfectly. Mewtwo in Detective Pikachu the movie is what Sephiroth is in Final Fantasy VII Remake. He's just constantly showing up and being like, what's up, motherfuckers? He's, he's like, oh, he's a famous Pokemon that's really powerful. Let's use him in this plot, even though it makes no fucking sense. Uh, I strongly disliked the Detective Pikachu movie. It was neat seeing the Pokemon world in live action and the effects on the Pokemon were admittedly cool, but the fucking plot and everything around it was just god-awful. Uh, and anyone who points to this this movie as like, hey, that's a good video game movie, I, I fucking disagree. I Let's move on. <laughs> Something called Pokemon Duel, which I've never heard of. Hey, you Pikachu for the N64. Hey, you. Uh, this is a game I rented from Blockbuster often which I think of now as like something that's kind of gross because it would come with the microphone. <laughs> and who the fuck knows what people were doing with that microphone. <laughs> gross. This is a game where you're a young child, you befriend a wild Pikachu, and using a microphone that attached to your N64 controller, you could try to talk to Pikachu and get him to do what you wanted to do. Uh, sometimes Pikachu would just get mad and ignore you and shock you or shock other things in the environment. Uh, this is a great troll game. Uh, I, I don't re- <laughs> do I recommend Hey You Pikachu no but it's very neat uh, and should be experienced at least once it's like sometimes you say something into the microphone Pikachu's like I hear you bro and he does exactly the thing and it's, you, it blows you away but the three other times you've asked him to do that he looks puzzled at you or it, there's a problem with the microphone the technology just wasn't fucking there and this was kind of in the age of Seaman on the Dreamcast where it's just like, hey man, we we are able to talk to creatures in video games now. This Pikachu needs to listen the fuck up. It was cool though because it was like a 3D first person environment of Pokemon to walk around. Which at that point didn't exist outside of Pokemon Snap. Yep. Uh, learn with Pokemon typing adventure. I think you can probably figure that one out. Uh, Pokemon Magikarp Jump. This was one of the first Pokemon mobile games and I've beaten it. It is a game where there is a league that consists of people growing different types of Magikarps and seeing how high they can jump. It is a tapping game. Uh, it is it is whimsical and fun. And maybe check it out. I don't. I don't. Fuck you. I don't. I don't know. <laughs> I enjoyed it. Uh, and now it's sending me notifications saying Magikarp looks lonely. So that's kind of shitty. Did you try Pokemon Masters EX? I have no idea what this is. Okay, so this is another Pokemon mobile app, uh, and this one's based around... This one's like a gotcha game for Pokemon trainers. Uh, so it's a game where you have your team of trainers, and then you have different Pokemon in different teams. It's more of a, more or less a tap game, tap battle game. Uh, but you, you construct your team out of existing, you know, anime characters and characters from the game. So like, oh, I got a rare Gary Oak, and he has this Pokemon. But there's different variants of Gary Oak. It's like the, uh, the Fire Emblem Heroes uh, mobile game. I tried playing it for a bit. If you understand the very bare basics of Pokemon battles, that's kind of all that's required to do very well here. Uh, but this game was meant to apl- uh, uh, like appeal to you, the competitive Pokemon gamer, and it's just not there. It's just a gosha game. Um, Pokemon Mini. Pokemon Mini. What the Sam hell is this? I don't know. 
There uh, are Whooper Blue Chikorita Green Smoochum Purple was first released in North America in 2001, two days before the GameCube was released. Features of the Pokemon Mini included an internal real-time clock, an infrared port used to uh, facilitate multiplayer gaming, a read switch for detecting sh shakes, and a motor used to implement force feedback. So there was a bunch of little games in this, emulated games, and it was kind of like the Pokemon Pikachu, but, like, dumber? Wow. Weird. I'm learning. Pokemon Ranch... This was the Wii's solution to Pokemon Box, and it was awful. Uh, but if you wanted to see a little, like, chibi me versions of Pokemon, Pokemon Ranch is for you, I guess. Uh, Pokemon Ranch was more like a means to an end than a... It's like something that people needed at the time before they, they launched Bank and now Home. New Pokemon Snap is an announced game that's not out yet for the Switch. <laughs> uh, Pokemate, meh, take your, take your guess. Poke, uh, Pokemon Picross, yep. Pokemon Pikachu is the virtual pet. Uh, there was a black and white one and a color one. Uh, it also had an infrared port so you could feed it things into the Game Boy Color, which was kind of neat. Otherwise, just a virtual pet where you take care of Pikachu and walk around. Uh, Pokemon Pinball are criminally underrated. Both Pokemon Pinball games are absolutely fantastic as pinball games or as Pokemon games. Pick, take your pick. Both good. Uh, Pokemon Puzzle League is a rebranding of Tetris uh, Attack. And I quite like both uh, versions of Pokemon Puzzle League. There was one on the N64 that was uh, based on the anime. And then one on Game Boy Color that was more based on Gen 2 and the Pokemon therein. Poke Park is a children's game. There are two of them. You play as Pikachu and do a bunch of fetch quests in a park. Uh, there are, they're both on the Wii, as it were. Mm -hmm. uh, strange that they never brought those back for Switch. You figure little kids would like them. Pokken Tournament uh, was what the game was what Pokemon Stadium I thought was going to be when it was first described to me, uh, which is like two Pokemon face off in 3D. I'm like, oh, do I have direct control over like Charizard or something like that? This was the game that finally realized it. It's basically based on the Tekken 3D fighting engine. Uh, it has like a rock paper scissors mechanic in it as well for blocking, attacking, and what have you. Uh, I don't know if you've ever fucked with this game, Reed, but it's pretty good. No, I have not. Uh, I, don't, uh, I don't play yeah. a lot of fighters, I guess, in general. Yeah, no, it's uh. It's neat. It's cool to have direct control of a, a Pokemon and like push, do special moves and stuff like that. It was kind of neat. Uh, the Pokemon Ranger games, I've never really fucked with. I don't know about you. Nope, never touched them. No competitive battling. Reed <laughs> is out. <laughs> uh, there's Pokemon Shuffle. There's Pokemon Sleep. There's Pokemon Smile. All various apps and stuff. Uh, Pokemon Snap is relevant because it was the first 3D Pokemon game. Um... Some people were disappointed that it what they didn't just straight up jump to a RPG on the first 3D Pokemon game. Yeah, it, and then by the end of it's literally like since N64, basically, you literally uh, just take pictures of Pokemon on a rail. Like that's that's the game. It's a great game. <laughs> is it? I remember playing it at my babysitter's as a kid, and I remember like just being like, "Yeah, this is taking pictures, all right." So I was uh, big into the Pokemon world. Uh, at this point in time, so when I saw something that was like a first-person 3D Pokemon game that you just kind of like National Geographic cruise around a cave and see what Diglets do when they're just hanging out, uh, was kind of neat to me. Also, this game is uh, full of little Easter eggs and secrets uh, and cool stuff you can interact with the Pokemon to get the most points out of them. That being said, I can 100% this game in 45 minutes. Uh, and I proved as such on the like Wii U Virtual Console. I like bought it and just like, oh yeah, that's right. I know everything in this game. Uh, but this is a fantastic game. It's great for kids. Um, and there's a new one coming for the Switch, which I hope they add even more to. And uh, I, you know, I hope there's a big smile on my face. 
uh, Pokemon Troze is another pu puzzle game. Uh, and then Pokemon Unite. I'm not even sure what the fuck that is. That sounds like recently announced, right? Pokemon Unite by Tencent is a Nintendo Switch and iOS game. It is a free-to-play multiplayer online battle arena, MOBA. Oh, weird. Yeah. So, MOBA fans and Pokemon fans, get in here. Uh, there's also, to mention, Pokemon Mystery Dungeon, which is a roguelike where you play as Pokemon. Usually in these games, you become a Pokemon. So, if that's your uh, fetish... Here it is. Uh, Pokemon Rumble is a really basic action brawler game. Uh, I played the shit out of Pokemon Rumble on both Wii and 3DS. They're awful. They're they're very very basic. Uh, I I do not recommend them. But you I remembered them. what Pokemon Quest is now. Pokemon Quest is a chibi, almost crossy road looking version of Pokemon uh, that's kind of like Pokemon Rumble, if not a lot like it. It's a mobile game. You can also play it on Switch, and it's free to play. You get Pokemon. They evolve. They learn new moves. They kind of go on their own through this dungeon, and using prompts on the bottom, you can tell them when to use their moves. And uh, if you're taking a shit or not paying attention to the game at all, uh, this is the game for you. It's it's a, just like a light romp of Pokemon. <laughs> it's free to play. Uh, so I've played a lot of these uh, in addition to the main series. and uh, I feel like we're missing some very cute... We are we are missing the two most key in uh, Gale of Darkness and Coliseum. Well, and the stadium games. We didn't talk about stadium. Sure. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why those weren't on this list, actually, come to think of it. Uh, so the biggest games, uh, the, the biggest spinoff games, as it were, you got Battle Revolution uh, slash Stadium, and then you have the full-fledged RPGs on the GameCube in Gale of Darkness and Coliseum. Yeah. Yeah, let's start with the Stadium games. Sure. Uh, they are great. Uh, that was the first game I ever bought on an N64 was Pokemon Stadium 1. It came with a transfer pack. You could toss your Pokemon game in the bottom and transfer those Pokemon to the game. You could also play Pokemon on the screen uh, like a Super Game Boy. And this also unlocked uh, ways to play the game quicker. It literally sped up the game, so like time was moving twice as fast. Uh, but if you were grinding or doing something else in Pokemon Red, Blue, or Yellow, this was kind of a neat little trick you could do in the game. The games also had a lot of Pokemon mini-games, which are excellent party games. Excellent. I stand by that. Yeah, the, uh, the, and then the a bunch Magikarp Jump, the Rattata Track. Yeah. Uh, the, uh, the, the, the second Pokemon Stadium had, had that as well. Uh, there are also, like, tools in the game. The game functioned as a box to literally store your Pokemon on top of teaching you how to play Pokemon. Uh, this was maybe better as a complimentary tool uh, to, to someone who's already playing the main series. However, they did allow you a full roster of rental Pokemon in this game. So if you didn't have any Pokemon to bring in and you just wanted to battle with what with your favorites, they're available to you. And this is something that the later games don't even offer you. So Right, and that was me as a kid. I had Pokemon Stadium 1 as a kid, but the only Pokemon game I had was Pokemon Crystal, which is not compatible with it. So right. I would play Pokemon Stadium with nothing but rental Pokemon, and I always wondered why it was so fucking difficult. And I didn't realize till years later that, oh yeah, all the rental Pokemon are absolute fucking garbage. So the other thing to note here is that there were different cups in this game uh, with different level restrictions. And back then in Pokemon, the competitive scene, it was uh, honor system. There was no capping your Pokemon in battles. If you had level 100 Pokemon and I had level 50 Pokemon... That's how it was going to go down. Pokemon Stadium was the first game to introduce uh, all these level caps and stuff. And what was really neat was it gave you it gave you replayability to those original games because now, hey, there's a baby cup. Pokemon have to be under level 30 and they can't be evolved Pokemon. They have to be base level Pokemon. So now that makes you go back into your Pokemon Red and actually build a team 
of, of Pokemon just to take on Pokemon Stadium was really fucking cool. Uh, they also had a Pokemon Gym thing in this where they, uh, in 3D, rendered all the Pokemon Gyms and you would battle some trainers and then the leaders of the gym, including the Elite Four at the end. I can't say enough good stuff about Pokemon Stadium as a complimentary Pokemon game or something you're just picking up. Uh, you know, off the shelf as a Pokemon game. It kind of had it all, and it's it's very disappointing that we haven't had a game like this since N64. Pokemon Stadium 2, a lot of the same. Added all the Gen 2 stuff in that I've already mentioned. Uh, you would have compatibility with Pokemon Crystal and all that. Uh, as well as adding, you know, all the new teaching tools from what was introduced in that game. Having all the same cups and cool stuff where you could then go breed Pokemon and get egg moves. Still had all the rental Pokemon in there. Uh... And, and was really neat. I don't know if you fucked too much with Pokemon Stadium 2. It no, didn't sound I, like you did. I didn't get Pokemon Stadium 2. Uh, by then, I was playing actual Pokemon, and I never looked back, really. Um, however, I do agree that if they did release, like, a complimentary game like that today that was just for competitive players like myself, that was, like, you could bring all your Pokemon here, or even better, just, like, scan the game, and then, like, we'll make a copy of those Pokemon to put into here. And then it's just a dedicated fucking like, online thing, because the UI for Sword and Shield to do online battles is already totally fucked as is. So the game you're describing is the unfortunate game Pokemon Battle Revolution for the Wii, yeah. which was a Gen 4 stadium, basically, except the only thing that game had was battling. Yeah, no mini games, no rental Pokemon, uh... Yeah, no, it's No, like, cups to go through against CP, like CPU and shit, like... So few features, it's, like, embarrassing. It was just like, hey, here's an updated 3D way to battle your Pokemon. But in terms of unlocks and replayability, Pokemon Battle Revolution was strictly, you've come over to my house, and we want to battle Pokemon Pearl and Pokemon Diamond. Let's do it in 3D on the TV. That's all that game Yeah, was. that's what the point of the game was. And it didn't, like, it didn't do anything because everybody just played on DS. Like, there was no point. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about the GameCube games... Uh, Gale of Darkness and uh, Coliseum. These games had uh, com like competitive battle modes where you could bring in your Game Boy Advance Pokemon. It had some extra modes and stuff like that. Uh, but the the main pull of these games is they are standalone RPGs. Yes, uh, they're full fledged RPGs. Except there's a different gimmick in that they're both double battles only. Uh, yes, which is very strange because every Pokemon RPG in the main series, as far as the main story is concerned, is is one on one Pokemon battles. So you figure, uh, what's with their, cool is, you figure with their first big console 3D full Pokemon RPG experience that they would also just make it like the Pokemon formula, but it's completely different. You're, you're like in like a weird post-apocalyptic fucking looking world. Yeah, man. <laughs> you're, you're a criminal. You're fucked. You're, you have, you start with, well, you start with an Umbreon and an Espeon. Like what, what what's going on here? Heaven and hell, let's rock, baby. Yeah, that guy's like riding around like a future motorcycle and stuff like that. Uh, we do have to wrap up here. I will, like, I've played both of those games. I beat Coliseum. I'm not sure I ever did Gale of Darkness. What was cool in those games, though, is, like, you straight up leveled up your Pokemon. Only certain Pokemon were available to you because it's whatever the, the plot gives you, essentially. Yeah. Uh, but you could level up those Pokemon and transfer them out to your Game Boy Advance. Admittedly, you can take those Pokemon with you. Uh, and they were kind of neat games, especially considering what we have now with Battle Revolution and what's come out since then for console Pokemon games. Uh, I look back on those GameCube ones and be like, yeah, for the time, those were actually kind of neat. Now, XD Guild um, Darkness is a very well-done video game as far as just overall structure goes. Um, it's a weird thing that they never revisited, just telling a story in the Pokemon world that is, is narratively based and isn't collect eight badges. It's weird that they just abandoned it. I don't know if they didn't sell as well at launch or, or what happened. Yeah, it's weird. 
One other thing on the GameCube, Pokemon Channel. This is Hey You Pikachu, but you can't talk to the Pokemon with a microphone, so fuck it. Read. Yeah. At this Iceberg is us on Twitter. LeahTestTheIceberg.com is us on email. You can leave a topic, question, whatever you want, anywhere you see this posted. If it's interesting, we will talk about it. Next week, read. We will finish our Pokemon conversation with Sword and Shield, the current gen. What is the current state of Pokemon and where it should be going in the future to end this Pokemon conversation and move on to the next thing. Thank you, as always, for signing up. For myself, Lee, and for Reed, this has been the Public Beta Podcast.